In this chapter, Jeremiah almost dies. It's a close call. It's touch or go. Jeremiah gets into such a mess of trouble that he is in grave danger of being executed. Several times in the last few months, we've wondered aloud what it must have been like to be a faithful prophet of the Lord in these days. And we've said that it must have been miserable. There's a lot of weeping. There's a lot of loneliness. There's a lot of being called to be weird, strange, different, stand out, alone. And it was also apparently very risky. We've seen that already back in chapter 11 when there was for a time a conspiracy against Jeremiah. The people of Judah did not like what they heard Jeremiah constantly saying, and at times it put him in grave danger. And this is one of those times. Do you remember the sermon I preached back in June with the longest title I'd ever slapped on one of my sermons? This is the temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord. Remember that one? Well, I said back then that eventually we'd get to chapter 26, which is probably the story of the time that Jeremiah preached that particular message, or at least one a lot like it. The focus of chapter 26 is less about what he said, though that's in there, as much as it is more about what happened because he said it. Let me show you what I mean. Look with me at verse 1. Early in the reign of Jehoiakim, son of Josiah, king of Judah, this word came from the Lord. This is what the Lord says. Stand in the courtyard of the Lord's house and speak to all the people of the towns of Judah who come to worship in the house of the Lord. Tell them everything I command you. Do not omit a word. From the dating of this king, this is probably the year 609 B.C., It's actually from before the events of both of the last two chapters that we looked at last time. In 609 BC, the Lord sends Jeremiah to stand at the doorway to the temple and preach at the people coming into the temple for worship. Do you see it in your your mind's eye? It's like they're going to church. And there's this guy standing outside the door and he's saying to the people coming into church, repent, repent. Repent. You've broken the covenant. Turn. 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 I have four points of application for us to consider this morning from this chapter. And they focus on our being like Jeremiah. Not like rebellious Judah, but being like faithful Jeremiah. We are not prophets. But we can learn from their examples. And here's point number one. Speak. The uncut truth. The Lord gives Jeremiah a message. And he's supposed to deliver all of it to the people coming to worship. The truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. According to God. You see that in verse 2? Tell them everything I command you. Do not omit a word. The word for omit there could be translated cut. It was sometimes used, in fact, for a haircut. Some of us need those more than others of us do. Do not trim the truth. 
The Lord has put a message in Jeremiah's mouth, and he's supposed to give all of it. And he's put a message in our mouths too, hasn't he? Called the gospel. The good news about Jesus Christ. And he wants us to share it with our friends, our neighbors, our relatives, our co-workers, and even strangers, and even our enemies. But we are not authorized to cut out the parts of the story we don't like. For example, the part about us being sinners. I don't like delivering that part of the story. But you've got to have the bad news to understand the good news. Or the part about what the punishment is for our sin. Or the part about how there's no other way to be saved than Jesus. Yesterday, Teresa and Gwen and their family gave me the privilege of speaking at the memorial service for Teresa's husband, Jeff, Jeff Hummel. Delightful guy who used to work for CTMA here in our area. He was known as Needle. And yesterday, I got to preach from John 14, 6, where Jesus says that he is the way, the truth, and the life. That's such good news, isn't it? It's tempting to stop there in the sentence. But that's not what Jesus That's not where Jesus stops, is it? What does he go on to say? And no one comes to the Father except through him. Well, that's kind of exclusive. I don't know if I want to share that part. That's not a popular thing to say. It's inclusive in that anyone who comes through Jesus will get to the Father, not just certain kinds of people, the rich or the religious or certain ethnic group or race or nationality. Anyone who comes to Jesus will get to the Father, but only those who come through Jesus. No one comes to the Father except through Him. That's the unedited, uncut truth. And and if we are to be prophetic in our day, we must not cut out the difficult bits or we are not being faithful. I'm not saying that we need to rub the hard parts in people's faces. We must speak the truth in love, always in love, but we must speak the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the uncut truth of God. That's what Jeremiah was called to do in the hopes that Judah might listen and repent. Look at verse 3. Do not omit a word. Perhaps they will listen, and each will turn from his evil way. Then I will relent and not bring on them the disaster I was planning because of the evil they had done. This is before when they had calcified into the brittle pottery that must be smashed. Jeremiah is sent with a warning, which is also an invitation. Verse 4, say to them, this is what the Lord says. If you do not listen to me and follow my law, which I've set before you, and if you do not listen to the words of my servants, the prophets who I have sent to you again and again, though you have not listened, then I will make this house like Shiloh, And this city, an object of cursing among all the nations of the earth. Do you hear the warning? Jeremiah might have been tempted to leave out that part. If you do not listen, then this temple will become like Shiloh. What's that mean? Do you remember from when we looked at this this summer? What's Shiloh all about? 
Shiloh was the first location of the tabernacle. It was actually up in the north, the first resting place of the tabernacle. What is now in Shiloh in this day? Nothing. It's a ghost town. It's like Peel, right? Ever been to Peel? Is there anything there? Not anymore. Can you imagine someday driving by here and there's no Lance Free Church? No building? Just a ghost town. Oh, but we had this great church. It was awesome. We had the temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord. God's not going to do anything about that. Don't trust in that. Like it's some kind of magic shield that protected them from any disaster. Like a cosmic get out of jail card. If the Lord had wiped out the house of the Lord before, Shiloh, he was prepared to do it again if they did not listen. And they did not listen. Here is point number two. It's directed more at us as recipients of the uncut truth than speakers of it. Number two, listen to the unpopular truth. Last time we called it tune in instead of tuning it out, right? Do you see how Jeremiah is emphasizing this idea of listening once again? Look at verse 4 and verse 5. If you do not listen to me and follow my law, which I've said before you, and if you do not listen to the words of my servants and the prophets whom I've sent to you again and again, though you have not listened, then I will make this house like Shiloh. Listen. There's a reason why Jeremiah was a broken record. Because they were broken listeners. If they'd listened to him the first time, he wouldn't have had to come again a second and a third and a fourth for 40 years. Listen. Parents, are you resonating with this one? Feel like sometimes you've had to say that to your kids? Listen. Take, take off your headphones. Don't tune. My kids never did that. They, they always listened, okay? Always. Amen? Amen. Got the amens, right? But me, my mom had to say it to me. Listen, don't change the channel. Listen, the Lord wants us to listen to him, even if, especially if what he says is not popular. Remember, there were other prophets at this time who were popular. The televangelists of the time. Everybody sent them the money. Because they always said things that everybody wanted to hear. Great big smiles on their face. You, they were the prophets of peace, right? Peace, peace. All will be well. All will be well. Health, wealth, and prosperity. Live how you want. You do you. You only live once. It'll be okay. You don't have to repent. You don't have to turn. You don't have to change. That's popular. But it's not the truth. The truth is that the Lord desires our repentance. He wants us to change. He wants us to live life His way, which is the best way, but it's not the most popular way. Listen. What's He been saying to you? 
How do you think the people coming into the temple that day felt about Jeremiah's message? Did you ever, you're going into a store and there's somebody there who's wanting to hold, hand you like a religious tract, right? Or they have some kind of political thing they want to hand you. And you're like, oh man, I don't want this. Don't, let's leave me alone, right? I think that's how they must have felt. Jeremiah's out there saying, repent, turn, repent, turn. And they're like, get out of my way. I'm going to worship. They hated it. One star reviews. Jeremiah's message. No star reviews. Frowny faces. And cancel culture came to get Jeremiah to the point where the crowd demanded his death. Look at verse 7. The priests, the prophets, and all the people heard Jeremiah speak these words in the house of the Lord. But as soon as Jeremiah finished telling all the people everything the Lord had commanded him to say, the priests, the prophets, and all the people seized him and said, You must die. Why do you prophesy in the Lord's name that this house will be like Shiloh and this city will be desolate and deserted and the people crowded around Jeremiah in the house of the Lord? Do you see it in your mind's eye? A mob crowding around him demanding his death. You must die! You must die! Why are they like that? Because they feel threatened. And because he's saying something they don't want to hear. And because it sounded kind of, kind of treasonous. He's speaking against their national symbol. And you know how patriotic people get about their national symbols. Why do you prophesy in the Lord's name that the house, this house will be like Shiloh and this city will be desolate and deserted? How dare you? So right then and there, they set up a courthouse in the temple court. Here's the title of this sermon in verse 11. This man should be sentenced to death because he has prophesied against this city. You've heard it with your own ears. The Lord warned Jeremiah that there would be days like this. You remember chapter 1? The Lord told Jeremiah when he was just a young buck, of a prophet, he was probably even a teenager at the time, that he would face opposition from just about everyone. He said, get yourself ready. In chapter 1, he said, stand up and say to them, whatever I command you, do not be terrified by them, or I will terrify you before them. Today I have made you a fortified city, an iron pillar, and a bronze wall to stand against the whole land, against the kings of Judah, its officials, its priests, and the people of the land. There are going to be days like this when nobody wants to hear the truth. And Jeremiah was called to stand with the truth no matter what. Let's make that application point number three. Stand with the unchanging truth. Be a fortified city. Be an iron pillar. Be a bronze wall. Even if you have to stand against the whole wide world. In the third century, many in the church had lost their way and fallen into heresy. A heresy we now call the Arian heresy because of the false teacher Arius. 
Arius taught that Jesus, the Son of God, was an exalted being. The greatest being ever created. What's wrong with that? Those of you who listened to Greg Strand a couple weeks ago, what's wrong with that? Is Jesus the most exalted being that was ever created? No? Why not? He wasn't created. He is uncreated. He is God the Son. He was and is and is to come. He is eternally begotten of the Father, not created. There was never a time when the Son was not. John 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning, and that Word became flesh. He was not created. But so many in the church had come to believe that. Most of the churches were full of pastors who taught that. But there were a handful that did not, including a church leader named Athanasius. And Athanasius stood his ground. He said that even if every single person in the whole wide world believed this heresy, he would still preach the truth. He called it in Latin, Athanasius Contramundum. Athanasius against the world. And the Lord is calling you and me to stand with the truth of the gospel, Contramundum. Against the world. Even if the whole world thinks that we are crazy for believing in Jesus, we need to keep on believing in Jesus. Where are you tempted to give in to what the world thinks and says? I'm not asking where other people are tempted to do that. That's a lot easier to identify, right? We see everybody else's faults. We have a hard time seeing ours. We know how those people don't see how they're going along with the world. How about you and me? Where are we tempted to just give in to what the world thinks and says? Do not change your message under pressure. Jeremiah did not. He was a fortified city, an iron pillar, a bronze wall for 40 years. Look at verse 12. The prosecution has made their case. Now Jeremiah acts as his own defense attorney and briefly makes his. Verse 12. Then Jeremiah said to all the officials and all the people, The Lord sent me. To prophesy against this house and this city all the things you have heard. Why did I prophesy that this house would be like Shiloh? Because Yahweh sent me to say that to you. Because that's the terms of the covenant. Because that's the uncut, unchanging truth. And you have to deal with that. Verse 13. Now reform your ways and your actions and obey the Lord your God. Then the Lord will relent and not bring the disaster he has pronounced against you. As for me, I'm in your hands. Do with me whatever you think is good and right. Be assured, however, that if you put me to death, you will bring the guilt of innocent blood on yourselves and on this city and on those who live in it. For in truth, the Lord has sent me to you to speak all these words in your hearing. That could have been the last speech Jeremiah ever made. That literally, that little speech could literally have cost Jeremiah his life. Wouldn't have to. All he would have had to say was, oh, 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 I'm sorry. Did you take it that way? I didn't mean that. 
Walk back his words. I got it wrong. Uh, let me rephrase it. Let me hedge that around a little bit. Let, let me spin it a different way. Peace, peace. How's that sound? Let me change my tune. And then they probably would have let him live. But Jeremiah stood for the unchanging truth. And he stood with the unchanging truth. Verse 16, for in truth the Lord has sent me to you to speak all these words in your hearing. Even if it means my death. Are you ready to risk death for speaking the truth of the gospel? Point number four and last. Risk your life for the undying truth. Risk your life for the undying truth of the gospel. Jeremiah says, do your worst. If you have to, I'm in your hands. But know that if you put me to death, you will be signing your death warrant too. Because I've been telling you the truth all along. And that brought them all up short. Look at how they backpedal and change their tune in verse 16. Then the officials and all the people said to the priests and the prophets, uh, this man should not be sentenced to death. <laughs> he has spoken to us in the name of the Lord our God. That's the exact opposite of the sermon title, right? It's the exact opposite of what they just said in verse 11. They've changed their minds all of a sudden. And now they, they search for a justification for it. Look at verse 17. Some of the elders of the land stepped forward and said to the entire assembly of people, Micah of Moresheth prophesied in the days of Hezekiah, king of Judah, 100 years or so ago. He told all the people of Judah, this is what the Lord Almighty says, Zion will be plowed like a field. Jerusalem will become a heap of rubble. The temple hill, a mound overgrown with thickets. Micah gave that whole Peel speech before. He gave that whole Shiloh speech before. Then they go on to say, did Hezekiah, king of Judah, or anyone else in Judah put him to death? No. Did not Hezekiah fear the Lord and seek his favor? And did not the Lord relent so that he did not bring the disaster he pronounced against them? We're about to bring a terrible disaster on ourselves. See what they're saying here? They're bringing up the prophet Micah. Like the book of Micah? They're actually quoting Micah 3.12 there in verse 18. I learned this week that this is the only place in the Old Testament where one prophetic book quotes another prophetic book and names the other prophetic book. It says where the source is. I think that's pretty cool. The entire Bible is hypertexted like that. Their point is that a hundred years ago, the prophet Micah said something very similar to the prophet Jeremiah. And you know, now that we think about it, King Hezekiah didn't put Micah to death. So maybe we shouldn't put Jeremiah to death? You think? So Jeremiah walks away from this one. Sadly, the people didn't repent like they did in the days of Micah and Hezekiah. Or the Lord would have relented and brought blessing. But at least they did not kill Jeremiah this time. They pulled up short of that. Jeremiah walked home that day from the temple courts, alive, to preach the dangerous truth again the very next day. You might be tempted to think that it was never really a close call. 
They weren't really going to do that. They weren't going to kill the prophet, right? But Jeremiah includes verses 20 through 24 to show us that it very well could have gone down a very different way. It did for the prophet Uriah. Do you know that story? Do you know this guy, the prophet Uriah? Anybody know Uriah the prophet? This is the only place in the whole Bible where he shows up. Look at verse 20. Now Uriah, son of Shemaiah, from Kiriath-Jerim, was another man who prophesied in the name of the Lord. He prophesied the same things against this city and this land as Jeremiah did. Isn't that interesting? Jeremiah was not alone. He wasn't the only one who was a broken record about the broken covenant and the judgment to come. There was at least one other, the prophet Uriah, verse 21. When King Jehoiakim and all his officials, officers and officials heard his words, Uriah's words, the king sought to put him to death. But Uriah heard of it and fled in fear to Egypt. Probably a tactical mistake. Operating out of fear, he ran instead of standing like Jeremiah did. But he did not change his message. Verse 22. King Jehoiakim, however, sent Elnathan, son of Akbor, to Egypt along with some other men. There was apparently an extradition treaty in place between the two nations at the time. They brought Uriah out of Egypt and took him to King Jehoiakim, who had him struck down with a sword and his body thrown into the burial place of the common people. Furthermore, Ahikam, son of Shaphan, supported Jeremiah, and so he was not handed over to the people to be put to death. Jeremiah almost died. Uriah did. And you and I need to be ready to be like either one of them. Be ready to risk your life for the undying truth of the gospel. I don't want to die as a martyr for the gospel. But even more, I do not want to live as a traitor to the gospel. It would be a great honor to be a Uriah, barely known, but faithful unto death. Our Lord Jesus said, Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad. I will, I will rejoice. Whatever comes my way, Lord, I'll be faithful to say, because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way, they persecuted the prophets who were before you, like Uriah. The letter written to the Hebrews talks about prophets like Uriah when it says in chapter 11, they were tortured and refused to be released so that they might gain a better resurrection. Some faced jeers and flogging while still others were chained and put in prison. They were stoned. They were sawed in two. They were put to death by the sword. They went about in sheepskins and goatskins, destitute, persecuted, and mistreated. The world was not worthy of them. I don't want to die as a martyr for the gospel. But even more, I don't want to live as a traitor to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because he died for me. 
I can't read this, I can't read about this trial of Jeremiah without thinking about the trial of Jesus. You the same? Did your mind go there as we read through chapter 26? When this crowd cried, this man should be sentenced to death, I heard, crucify him, crucify him. Jesus spoke the uncut truth and they didn't want to listen to him either. Jesus stood for the unchanging truth even though it was unpopular. Jesus contramundum. And Jesus not only risked, but gave his life for the undying truth of who he was and to pay for our sins. And as we go into this holiday week, there is nothing greater for us for which to give thanks. Pardon for sin and a peace that endureth. Thine own dear presence to cheer and to guide. Strength for today and bright hope for tomorrow. Even if we die today. Blessings all mine with 10,000 beside.